Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be expecting and resting faith. Let's begin in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, beginning in the 43rd verse, it says, Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet have no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour, in that which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea, into Galilee. This miracle reveals a lot to us about faith. The nobleman knew that his son needed a miracle, and he had faith for it to be done. We find two different types of faith exemplified here. The first type of faith that we see is expecting faith. Expect is defined as to look for, to have a previous apprehension of something future, whether good or evil, to entertain at least a slight belief that an event will happen. This was the mindset that the man came to Jesus with. Verse 47 says, When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. He was expecting Jesus to come down to his home and to heal his son. The problem with expecting faith is that although it lays a necessary foundation for faith, it shouldn't be the end result of our faith. Our faith needs to grow and mature into something more than expecting faith. That should only be the beginning. This type of faith keeps the door open to things like anxiety and worry and doubt. We know this because the nobleman was asking a question in verse 47. While he was asking, he was still worried about his son's well-being. He was anxious because his son was so close to death, and he was still doubting if the healing would be done in time or if it would be too late. This faith tries to still carry the burden on its own. This is the realm of slight belief. Belief is there, it's present, 
but it's not complete. It needs to grow. Verse 48 says, Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Many Christians have adopted this mindset today, but it's a very dangerous mindset to adhere to. If we're not careful, this is where Christianity begins to blend with agnosticism, wanting concrete proof and evidence before believing. This wrongly makes believing and faith conditional. When they are meant to be unconditional, that's the way that God intends for them to be. This shows the expecting faith that the nobleman had, because he wanted proof and evidence. He needed something to supplement his slight belief. The key word in this verse is believe. In the Greek, it means to believe, entrust, have faith in, trust in. The concordance goes on to say that it means to be persuaded, to believe, affirm, have confidence. It's used of persuading oneself in human believing and with the sacred significance of being persuaded by the Lord and faith believing. Only the context indicates whether belief is self-serving without sacred meaning or the believing that leads to or proceeds from God's inbirthing of faith. It also says the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of his soul. Thus it stands absolutely to trust in Jesus or in God as able to aid either in obtaining or in doing something. The nobleman's problem was that he was operating in human believing instead of faith believing. The same way that there are many today, like the nobleman, who are only operating in human believing and wanting a sign, there were many in his own day who had that same mindset. Matthew chapter 12 verse 39 speaking of Jesus says, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. This mindset has always plagued the church since its earliest days, and it always will. The role of the Christian is to either avoid this mindset completely, or to escape it if we're beholden to it. Jesus showed that the nobleman needed to escape from that mindset. We can't wait to have faith until we see something, otherwise we'll never have faith. As the old saying goes, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. We can't allow sight to dictate our belief and faith. Our faith is of our spirit, while our belief is of our soul, especially our mind. Since this is the case, our faith should inform our belief, not the other way around. The nobleman made that mistake. He let his human believing inform his faith which only left him with expecting faith, when he should have let his faith inform his belief, which would have left him with faith believing. First, he needed to escape the mindset of needing a sign as evidence before believing. Since there are so many today who share this problem, we have to ask ourselves, how do we escape? The answer is that we need a proper understanding of faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith itself is the evidence for what we're not able to see or perceive in the natural. When people are looking for evidence in the natural, they're looking outwardly. And as long as we're looking outward for evidence, we're never going to find what we're looking for. We have to look inward if we are to find it. It's the only place. This is because faith is inward. It's the gift of God that he bursts within us. This inward faith that God has placed within us should inform our belief. So then we can have faith believing. Verse 49 of John chapter 4 reveals more to us. It says, The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. It's important that we keep this in context. 
Jesus had just said in the verse before, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. When he heard this, he could have easily become discouraged and given up. He could have left thinking that there was nothing more that he could do. But he didn't. When he spoke again to Jesus in verse 49, he was manifesting two important qualities. We find determination and persistence, both of which are necessary for faith. The nobleman's faith was transitioning. We could see it in the way that he spoke to Jesus, and his determination and his persistence played a key role in this transition. Verse 47 said, He went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. The word besought in other versions of the Bible translates as was imploring. In the Greek it means to ask, to question, to request, to pray. In this verse, we find that he requested that God heal his son. He was asking a question. Then we find a very different tone in verse 49. There we see that he said to Jesus, Come down, ere my child die. This wasn't a question. It wasn't a request. It was direct. It was a statement, even a command. What was it that accounts for this change? It was his determination and persistence. He was determined because there was too much at stake. His son's life was worth fighting for and worth holding on to. He was determined to get the healing that he came for, no matter what, and he wouldn't leave without it. This is part of persistence. He refused to give up. Even after Jesus didn't give him the answer that he wanted, he tried again. He stayed persistent, even when he wasn't given a sign. Since he was determined and persistent, a change took place, and he got the answer that he came for. Verse 50 tells us, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. He got the answer that he came for, just not in the way that he expected. Twice he said that he wanted the Lord to come down to his house to heal his son. He fully expected the Lord to physically come to his house. But Jesus didn't do that. He never moved from where he was standing. He just spoke. He gave his word. This is where we see the completion of the transition of the nobleman's faith. The second part of verse 50 said, And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. He went from expecting faith to resting faith. He was resting in the word of God, and he was resting in the promise of God. It is resting faith that brings about deliverance and healings and miracles. Resting is defined as ceasing to be moved or agitated, lying, leaning, standing, depending, or relying. When the nobleman's faith became resting faith, he got rid of his anxiety and worry and doubt, and most importantly, he left his burden with the Lord. He stopped carrying it for himself. He left it with Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ took his burden upon himself and in place of it gave him rest. Now instead of depending on himself, he was able to completely depend on Jesus, which freed him from agitation and anxiety. In the Greek, the type of rest mentioned in Matthew 11 has to do with inner rest and tranquility. This inner rest, like faith itself, is something only God can give us. He puts it within us. It's a type of peace and assurance. This is how we can be absolutely sure that what the Lord has promised will come to pass. 
Another thing that we have to make note of is that resting in the spiritual sense is not the same as what we think of as resting in the natural. When we think of resting, we tend to think of not doing anything, or doing only recreational things, or just lounging around. But none of these things are what spiritual rest is like. Natural rest is passive, while spiritual rest is active. Even after the nobleman had resting faith, he still had to go home, believing all the way. Along the way home, he found out that his son was healed at the exact moment that Jesus said, Thy son liveth. This is because he took God at his word, and he went his way. That was the corresponding action to his faith. The transition was necessary. He went from verse 48, where Jesus told him, He will not believe, to verse 50, which said, And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. He went from expecting faith to resting faith. The other thing that we have to look at is the difference between what we saw with the nobleman and what we saw in Matthew 11. The nobleman said twice that he wanted Jesus to come to his house. But in Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus said, Come unto me. This shows the need of submitting to the will of God. Once we ask the Lord for something in the will of God, we won't always see it come to pass in the exact way that we expected it to, but it will always come to pass according to His will, in the perfect way that only He could execute. If the Lord came to us, it would mean that we're still carrying the burden the whole time. But when we come to Him first, we leave our burden with Him. He carries it and we're able to have inner rest. Coming to Him takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it rightly on God. When the man asked for his son's healing, he was asking in the will of God. 1 John chapter 15 verses 14 to 15 tell us, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. God was always going to grant His request because he was asking what was in the will of God. Healing is always in the will of God. Three weeks ago, we spoke about this, that it is his will, because he already paid for our healing in full. Since this is the case, our healing is owed to him. He rightfully deserves it. This is why he desires this for his people. The nobleman was one of God's people. We find this to be true because of the use of the word besought in verse 47. The concordance beyond the definition that we looked at earlier says that it means to make an earnest request, especially by someone on special footing, in a preferred position, having to do with intimacy. Such requesting receives special consideration because of the special relationship involved. This is the same with us when we come before the Lord and request of Him. Since we've been born again, we're now on special footing with the Lord. We have a preferred position over those in the world. We have an intimate, personal, one-on-one relationship with Him. And because of this, when we make a request of Him, it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other. He takes it to heart, and He gives our needs and desires special consideration. This is what gives us the confidence that our needs and our desires will be met. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in the fourth verse, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Every Christian goes through the same transition that the nobleman went through. We have to allow our faith to grow and to mature. We can't allow our faith to become stagnant and let our growth stall. Our need and our request may not be for physical healing. Maybe we need a financial miracle or spiritual healing or anything else at all. It could be anything that's on our heart. What's important to us is important to God. He cares about what we care about. Our needs and our problems may try to weigh us down. They'll stress us out. They'll worry us and cause us to doubt if God will really help us. We may want to carry the burden all on our own. Because of our fallen nature, this many times feels like the natural thing to do. In verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. In many other versions of the Bible, it's translated as, Be anxious for nothing. This is a direct command. We're never to give anxiety a foothold in our lives. So what do we do instead? When we come to the Lord and make our requests known, we need to know that it's taken care of and that God will work it out. We need to put our trust completely in Him. This is how we give Him the burden. This is when the transition of our faith takes place. We need to let God mold our expecting faith into resting faith. Once we put our trust in God, we need to refer to our request as if it's already done, even if we don't see the evidence of it in the natural because faith calls things that are not as though they were. Romans chapter 4 verses 16 to 17 say, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and call off those things that be not as though they were. If we take the leap of faith, putting all our trust in Him, He will give us rest, and He will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. He desires to do this in our lives. Only He can give us resting faith, because He births faith within us, and He works it within us. And since we have expecting faith, we know that He will bring us to the place of resting faith, because Philippians 1 and 6 tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12 and 2 also tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. As we grow and mature in faith, God is with us every step of the way. He's the beginning and the end, working within us to bring our faith to completion and maturity. It's especially important that we operate in resting faith when it comes to the promises of God. The Bible is full of countless promises of God that He has given to His people and that all rightfully belong to us as Christians, but we have to claim them and then rest in them so we can receive them. We need to stand on the Word of God and know that His promises are ours and that we already have them. We need to hold on to the promises and never let go of them. We need determination and persistence. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We know that he is faithful. That's why we can put our faith in him and rest in him. The last thing that we need to look at is the importance of the word. 
The nobleman believed when the Lord spoke to him. He heard the word of God from he who is himself the word of God. Romans 10.17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When he heard the word, it changed his faith. It grew. Faith was produced within him. This is the power of the word of God, and this is why the word of God changes things. Even though God bursts faith within us and works it within us, we still have a role to play. Although God will grow our faith, we have to provide the right environment for it to grow. And we do this by not only hearing the word, but also reading it and studying it. We need to be immersed by it. It needs to be an everyday part of our lives. When we do, our faith will get stronger day by day and we'll be able to have the rest and the peace that only God can give us. Let's make the choice today to bring our needs and our wants to the Lord and to leave our burdens there. And let's make the choice to rest in the Lord and in His promises. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the foundation of expecting faith in our life. And we thank you that when we come before you and bring you our needs and our desires, that you will transform our expecting faith into resting faith. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit within us that helps us to grow and to mature into the faith that you desire for us to have. And Lord, we thank you that we don't have to carry the burden all on our own, but that when we come before you, you'll take the burden on our behalf and carry it for us. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to carry anxiety and worry and doubt, that these things don't have to be a part of our life at all, but that you can take them away from us and give us rest and peace in their place. Lord, we thank you for your word and for all the promises that are throughout your word. Lord, today we claim those promises in faith. We lay hold of them. And Lord, we're determined and persistent to see these things manifest in our lives. And we thank you that they're already being brought to fruition. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, all that you have done and all that you're going to do. Lord, we know that you have great things planned for us as your people. And Lord, we thank you that you are working out all those great things right now. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have resting faith and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.